You are listening to the Tricer Podcast, where we talk all things hunting, gear, and the great outdoors. Before we begin, let's start things out right and put God first. Lord Jesus, I thank you for Tricer, and I ask that you can use this podcast as a way to bring joy to all of our listeners. We lay Tricer and this podcast at your feet. Amen. All right, Jake Shooty, what's up, man? How's it going, Drew? This is uh, an honor and a pleasure to be on here. Oh, it's going good, man. You get to be like guest number two on the Tricer podcast. So uh, went to the top first for you, I guess. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm glad I'm in the beginning. So um, all these great stories that are going to come after, like you'll, you know, I don't have to like try to stand up against them. <laughs> oh, your stories smoke mine. You kill a lot of stuff, dude. Um, yeah. So I, bottom line, Jake's a good, a good friend of mine, a hunting buddy of mine. Um, he's somebody I have a lot of respect for in the church. He's a you know big giver, and uh, we kind of connected through a hunting forum. And then turns out we have a lot in common in ministry, our ministry lives, etc. And he's just been somebody who I've just you know since the beginning of Tricer, I've just really respected and enjoyed hanging out with. And he's definitely on top of my list for guys who I want to call to uh, jump on this podcast with me and you know talk about themselves. Uh, so Jake, who are you? What do you do? Yeah, that's a that's a fun question. I feel like I do everything, but um, so I am uh, you know I'm a husband to an amazing woman. I have three kids, uh, two, five, and seven years old. Um, my day job, quote unquote day job, is an aerospace engineer here in San Diego, um, designing aircraft aircraft uh, parts and full aircraft design. I'm also a uh, a lay pastor at Awaken Church in the El Cajon campus. Um, you know, and I've just, I've seen God move in my life in many ways, like you said, through giving. And so like, you know, that's one of the things I love to do is to inspire, encourage people to get vision, to grow their vision, to, to test God and say, Hey, are you real? Let's see if you'll move. And then I just know when you move, you do that, God shows up. But, um, and then, you know, all my spare time kind of goes into hunting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got uh, you two kids, right? Uh, three. Three kids. That's right. I'm sorry. I, I should know that. Yeah, I know that uh, I tried to get you to go hunting on Saturday, and you couldn't go because you decided to have all three kids in September? Yep. Yeah, apparently I made some bad choices over the years, and I just kept on compounding them. So all three kids are born in a three-week period from the beginning of September through mid-September, and then my wife's birthday is actually at the end of September. So that means like Christmas time is like the, the – like, uh, Pregnancy season for your house. That's when you're just knocking. I mean, yeah, yeah. Thanksgiving to Christmas, I guess. Apparently, you get some turkey in you, and you start making babies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's something about those Christmas lights, I guess. Yeah, baby. So yeah, I, it'd be I'd be stoked to come on here and talk about our caribou hunt that we were supposed to go on two years ago, but that didn't happen. You want to fill us in on that? Why that didn't happen? Yeah, that was definitely a, a bummer. But the uh, the numbers just weren't there, and so the federal government of uh, actually not the state of Alaska, but the federal government stepped in and closed the season. The state of Alaska was wanting to keep it open, but um, I think it was the Bureau of Indian Affairs came in and they said, hey, the numbers are too low. The hunting is too difficult for the natives. We're shutting down the season. And so at that point, you could only hunt within the high watermark of rivers. And that just didn't wasn't what we had signed up for. And so yeah. it wasn't worth you know, going out there and just trying to hunt in a riverbank. When you would see caribou probably everywhere and it'd also be too tempting <laughs> yeah so thanks biden 
Um, yeah. So yeah, we lost our, we, we actually put our deposits in for this hunt and they kept our deposits, didn't give it back to us. So we're all out. There's four of us all out two grand a piece for our deposit for this fly-in hunt because uh, they declared it an act of God, which I still don't know if I agree with that or not, but uh, <laughs> we're, we're perpetually going on a caribou hunt every single fall now until it opens back up again, if it ever does. So they yeah. have our deposits and we're basically just out of luck. And if it opens up, we go on a hunt, which kind of stinks for our tag process in other states because now we don't know, uh, you know, what to apply for if we're going hunting because they don't tell you until like April if that's going to happen or not. So uh, I don't know. It's a good problem to have, I guess. At some point, we're going to go go to Alaska. We're going to fly in and we're going to hunt caribou for like seven or eight days. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, I'm that'll be amazing. That Definitely a bummer when it Yeah. All right, dude. So uh, kind of simple format. I, I just want to know, like. Uh, how you got into hunting? We we'll start yeah. with that, and I want to know like the process of getting your first deer. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely start with that. So um, I grew up always like I loved spotting game, but I never hunted. So uh, my dad grew up in Pennsylvania, and he would tell me hunting stories as a kid, shooting whitetails, and um, and so it was always something I wanted to do. But I was playing sports my whole life. You know, you know, I basically was playing sports twenty four seven. And, um, and then right when I graduated high school, my, uh, my dad got cancer and it was one of those kind of like moments where you're just like, oh man, like, like we've talked about hunting my whole life. I'm 19 years old. I've never even, I've only, you know, gone out shooting a dozen times and I've never hunted like, let's make this happen. And so, I mean, unfortunately it was my dad getting cancer was the kickstart, but it also was, you know, a great kickstart. So that was back in like 2008. Uh, 2007 actually is when I got my hunter's permit. And then my first hunting season, I believe was in 2008. And, um, and I had no clue what I was doing. My dad's only experience was hunting when he was a kid, whitetails. And so we would go up to big bear and we would hunt those mule deer like whitetails and would just be so unsuccessful. I mean, we would basically, I'd, we would go up there in jeans and a sweatshirt with an orange hat. When it was, you know, 20 degrees, we'd freeze our butts off all morning, not see a single thing. You know, we'd find tracks everywhere. You'd find scat. You would, you know, they're around, but you just have no clue how to find them. And I remember just getting so frustrated. I'm just like, okay, like I see these guys hunting deer on TV. I looks like there's deer everywhere. Like, what am I doing wrong? And I, I kind of got a little obsessed of like, I got to figure this out. Like, I hate losing. I hate losing like this. <laughs> Isn't it funny too, like when you first start hunting, how excited you get when you see some deer poop, oh, or you man, see some yeah. si you see some tracks, and then like you realize as, as like the longer you do it, like they re they're not where the tracks are. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, you got to find them, but it's like, yeah. I, I saw them, I see a bunch of signs, but that doesn't mean they're there. It just means they came through or they're bedded there. You know, it is good to see yeah. sign, but man, it's one thing to see poop, and another thing to see a deer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then it's like, and then you start finding, being able to find does. And then, it's a, then yeah. it's a couple of years of finding does and not really finding anything legal. And you're just like, okay, now I'm good at finding does, but where are the bucks? And it's just a, it's a process. It took me about six years. I think it was, I think it was 2014 when I got my f first, first buck. And it was uh, probably the smallest uh, fork you could get up in D14. I remember, um, uh, I'll, I'll go into the story now, but like, I remember just not having any good year. Like I had these cheap Nikon binoculars I had um, just a rifle that I couldn't shoot well, <laughs> like the whole thing. 
And I, I had missed actually a deer the year before. And I was so frustrated. I went out and I bought a, a Tika, a Tika T3, 308. I was like, all right, I'm going to get something I can shoot accurately. And so I started putting the time effort into like, like shooting sub MOA. Because I think with my previous rifle, I was shooting probably four MOA. And so yeah. um, it just was four. a mess. <laughs> and that, yeah, so I'm I, not even joking. I can say too that I, I think that. I think that Tika that Tika T three with three hundred eight is probably like the like the best entry level rifle you can get. Like it's a couple hundred bucks more than like some of these savages and stuff. But man, like that Tika, those T three Xs, they just shoot so good. I think three hundred eight yeah. is such a great caliber. Both my boys shoot three hundred eight. Uh, mm-hmm. One of them shoots a Tika. Uh, I have a Tika that's been built into a bigger rifle now, but my other one shoots a Browning. But I think a three hundred eight caliber rifle. You know, with like a three to nine scope on it is a perfect rifle for any situation, honestly. Um, yep. And I think it's a great caliber to have. I think it's a, if I tell Billy to get into hunting, I'm like, get a three away. Right? And especially if you can afford a couple hundred more bucks, get the Tika. It's going to freaking cycle every single time. You have no yep. issues. And it's going to freaking kill stuff. I, I've killed probably 15 animals with a Tika. I mean, it's just a yeah. great rifle. Yeah, I killed all my first animal, my first big game with that Tika. And then, um, but I remember I finally like spent the money to get like a rifle that I could shoot and shot. You know, it was a Tika, you know, I could shoot MOA all day with that thing. It was great. And I remember, um, this place we go up in D14, I would, I would always see this giant hill and I would always hunt this valley beneath the hill, the sage, when I've seen tracks, I've seen doe. And I was like, I'm going to hike up to the top of this thing. And so we like, me and my dad get there and he's going to hunt the, the bottom and I'm going to hike up to the top. We park the truck and we start going. And I remember like hiking all the way up and there was, I don't know, 800 feet elevation gain and about 8,000 feet kicked my butt at the time. And I get all the way to the top and I start just looking around glassing. And then I, I actually, I spotted this buck um, with a doe and like down at the bottom, like literally where I just like hiked all the way from. And so I'm like, saw that and like, I kind of like texted my dad and he didn't see him. And I'm like, kind of looking around and that, then I was like, I'm going to go after it. And so sure enough, go up, get in situation. I got like, I found this rock. I got about 400 yards away. Um, you know, got as stable as I could get. And I, I just was sat there. I was like, I hadn't shot this far already with this rifle. I mean, and you know, end up putting a, a great shot through the shoulder, took one step, went down. I mean, and it's funny because are you using like, like a, CDS, those... a CDS style? Do you have like no, a CDS style? It was, it was a it was a Nikon. Um, uh, is it a Bushmat? No, not Bushmaster. It was a um, uh, something. One of their hunters. It had the um, the the MOA lines on it. Oh, just a line. So you just you just, just sent it. I I yeah. It. Dude, I was I was so immature. Like I look back now, I'm just <laughs> like, oh man, I would never do those things again. I've learned way too much. But um, yeah, I had, I had my phone on me cause it was just standing there just eating. And so I was like, lo- I was like looking at it. I ranged it. I had like the, like the phone app, Nikon had an app and you could look up exactly like what power and what this. And so I had it all like lined up on my phone and I just held and um, it was probably about two inches lower than I was aiming, but I was stoked. I mean, it went through the shoulder. It was great shot, went down. It probably took, like I said, like two or three steps and just plopped. And then, um, awesome. then I, then I had to hike all the way down through all the sage, get to it. And, um, I was going to, um, like I was in my head, I was planning on packing it out, 
But when I got to it, I realized it was literally like a quarter mile to the truck. And I was like, well, I'm going to, and it was, you know, it was, I think it was like probably a 110 pound deer. Like this thing was, you know, this thing was barely past Bambi. And so, um, I was just like, whatever. So I drug it to the, I, you know, gutted it and drug it to the truck. And then, which was great because I'd never processed the deer before. And, but uh, so I was able to do it like with my truck. I was able to bring it home. I threw it, I like went and stopped a bag of ice, put it in the cavity, did the whole thing myself. And, um, actually I had a buddy from, from Hawaii and he swore, he's like, dude, you gotta, you gotta put a bunch of ice in it and like soak it in ice water, add a bunch of salt. And I was like, no clue what I was doing. I was like, okay. So I did that. I just remember how salty that meat tasted and just like, <laughs> <laughs> like I like ruined that meat because I like soaked it in ice, like salt ice water for a couple days. And I just was like oh, so man. frustrated. I ate, I ate every ounce of it, but I did not enjoy it. <laughs> Did you, uh, so like when you shot this buck, like were yeah. you flipping out? Were you just like hysterical, flipping out, yelling, cheering, or just I, I, I was, I, I, I didn't yell. I, um, I, I definitely, I had tears. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like I had tears because it was just, I, it was like this six years of just hard work, a lot of unsuccess, a lot of bad luck, things happening. And at first I was like, it's actually down. Like it, I, I, like everything came together. It's down. I had tears. I remember I just immediately texted my dad. I was like, you know, deer down. And like, yeah. obviously he, like he heard the shot and stuff. And, um, but yeah, went, went down and I got it. And then I was able to drag it and meet him. And it was, um, it was a, definitely a special moment, you know, give big hug and just kind of like finally after all these years, and then at that point, like when I gutted it and I started like even taking it apart, I was like, this is my life. Like this is, this is, I'm going to do this until I can't. Like <laughs> I am going, I am going to hunt until I'm, I physically can't. And, um, it That's just awesome. fueled, fueled a passion. And, um, but I would say that like, for me, like I always wanted to hunt, but like my favorite hunting is elk. I, I, and I, I love elk and these local deer are fun, but man, like elk is, elk is my addiction. And so it you all started. An you have an elk oh, story? Yeah. Oh, I have an elk story. Right, yeah. Let me do my middle. Let me do my middle. Like, uh, I'm, this is how good I am. You guys at selling stuff. Hey, we sell game bags. Go, uh, go buy some Tricer game bags for 55 bucks or 60 bucks. We have elk bags and deer bags. So if you were like Jake, Instead of shoving ice in the cavity, a bunch of salt, you could have cut your deer up, put it in some Blaze Orange game bags, hike that sucker in the truck, and be good to go. And we make them Blaze Orange. That way, when guys like Jake are out there for the first six years to know what they're doing, they're not shooting you. They see you out there, and like, oh, there's a game bag. That's That rack has a game bag. It's an orange head bag and four four uh, quarter bags. So go buy some Tracer game bags. That's my little pitch right there. And Jake, tell us about your elk. Well, first, I'm going to say I, I got to use one of those game bags this spring on my bear hunt. And okay. so they're, they're great game bags. Definitely recommend them. Um, awesome. and, uh, and also for this elk hunt, um, I want to sh shout out to your gear. Like I had been like, look, trying to look for good solutions for a long time about shooting elevated. And, um, when you made the, the Tricer, the, um, the GTP, like the RS legs, I was like, I fell in love with those RS legs. I, you know, I was putting my tracking poles on as a bipod and I was shooting once a week and I could, I could get, Good. I got good with so those RS legs. legs. If anyone doesn't know what they are, they take a Spartan rifle bipod and they thread onto the bipod, and now you have a leg that's adjustable from six to nine inches. 
and you can pop the legs out and then stick your trekking poles in there and your trekking poles in the legs. So then you can shoot basically prone to standing with your trekking poles on your Spartan bipod. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a cool setup. Definitely an awesome setup and people love them. We killed a pig on them this year and I ended up selling like three guys, the RS legs from that trip because they just were so stoked on shooting this pig at like 220 yards off of sticks across the canyon. And he just came home and bought them and then his friends bought them and it was pretty cool. Yeah, it's a sweet product. Yeah, I think I've killed two of my bulls with him. Okay, really? Yeah, yeah, two, two of my awesome. three bulls, th two of the three bulls I've taken were uh, taken with those RS legs. Um, it just, and if you're in like thick oak, like those steep hills with that thick oak brush, and like you have to be able to get that, the rifle up, you know, elevated. And um, it's, it's a, for me, the best way, like, I know everyone's going to tripods now, like tripod mounts, and I'm going to mess with that more this year. But um, I really like those, those the GTPRS with the, my, and I use my backpack as the rear stabilizer. And I'm confident to five, 600 yards with that thing. And, and so, I mean, it's, 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 it's fun. So, um, but this story, like one of my, my, my favorite hunt, I know you kind of talked about the first hunt and, um, and I was, before I even get to this, anyone out there who's like, you've been hunting Southern California and it's just been frustrating. Like, don't worry. Like that's just part of the process. And you're going to look back and remember how hard it was and like laugh and kind of like brings joy. They're just like how much you had to overcome to get to where you're at. And, um, yeah, once so you, once you kill them, it kind of like, once you start killing them, it kind of just like starts coming more naturally. Yeah. Right? Like once you start killing, it really starts clicking, you know? And like, uh, there's something about it and just hunting becomes, I think you calm down a little bit. You become a little more patient. Yeah. You start to see things. I mean, honestly, think about what you did on the, when you killed your deer. You got elevation, yeah. right? When and now, as a hunter, when would you not get elevation? You'd always get elevation to look for deer, right? Like you're yeah, oh, exactly. Go so you did something right, and you end up killing a deer because you got elevation, right? Yeah. Uh, and sometimes got, it works out. Sometimes you hike up and you end up having to hike back down, but elevation's yeah. key to killing animals. Yeah, I hiked up um, at the time. I had a trekking pole, and I just set my binoculars on the trekking pole. Man, I, I love the the stability systems we have now. But yeah, um, tripods are awesome. Yeah, tripods, panheads makes a huge difference. But uh, yeah, just setting that on the trekking pole is able to spot it. Um, I don't remember how far it was when I first bought it. It was like maybe seven, seven to eight hundred yards with my little ten by forty twos that I had at the nice. time. But yeah, and actually, I had found a, a like a spike shed really close to where I got them down to. I still have that spike shed. I was like, I always wonder, I was like, hey, maybe this is the same one from the year before, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe he was one versus two or a half hey man, versus he is, one and a half. In, in California, it, means, uh, it could be a spork. So a spike by fork has to have a fork on one side, a branch out yep. of here, on one side, two thirds of the way up. Yep. So uh, and out, down here, they get out so many tags that if it's legal, it's pretty much getting shot. So yeah. if, you, if you don't shoot it, so what else is going to shoot on the next ridge over it's yeah. pretty crazy down here. Wild yeah, West. Definitely. It's it is the Wild West. I've had um I've had multiple occasions down here ducking because guys I had no clue that they were shooting, like right there shooting right next to me. Like I've hit the oh, deck wow. probably three times with bullets whizzing by. And you're just yeah, like, Oh man. Okay. We were we were orange in in San Diego, we were orange. Yeah, we were yeah. orange. Honestly, we were orange in, in Arizona too. We were orange on all of our rifle hunts now. It's just not worth it to me. 
Um, we have orange on our backpacks. I have orange game bags. I have yeah. orange hats on. I mean, people are just too stupid. I mean, you see guys walking around with AR-10s, you know, busting bushes. and Yeah. It's just not – to me, it's just I wear orange no matter what. You know what? You wear orange too, I, I think, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. A few times you wear orange. It's yeah, just not I, worth it to me. The deer is not going to – I'd rather have orange on have a deer spot me sometime than not have orange on and get shot by some guy, especially when you're packing out animals. Well, the deer don't see orange, right? Like, uh, like the orange is – or, no, they, they actually see blues more than orange. Okay. Like, like to like a deer, I, I believe that a blue, if you were in like blue jeans or a blue shirt, it would stand out more like how we see something orange at a distance. Really? But, yeah. Well, it yeah. shows you what I know about orange. I just want to make sure my kids aren't getting shot because that's a, that's a great way to ruin my day. And that's a great way to ruin a lot of people's day. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, um, uh, your favorite hunt. Tell me about it. Yeah, my favorite hunt. So, um, actually, I had I this particular hunt. I booked with an outfitter, uh, Travis Kruckenberg. So TKO Outfitters. Um, I hadn't really done outfitted hunts before. I had done one, and um, mostly done. I've done a lot. I had killed a lot of cow elk solo before this, um, but I wanted to go with this outfitter for the bull, and I wanted to bring my dad with me because um, my dad hadn't really had any success with a, a bull hunt. And um, I was like, this is a great opportunity for us to go together. And, you know, it, it started off like great hunt. We go up, we, it was like um, in Colorado in this, like this cool little BL, piece of BLM and national forest. And we're up there and we're on this perch and we're looking. And I remember day one, I had this like nice five by six, about 550 yards um, walk and kind of just stop broadside 550 yards and um and i had dropped my pack and i had the rs legs and so um and i, br I was i brought my cannon so what i've been using the last few years is a, a 338 rum i shoot uh 260 grain hammer hunters and um that thing is accurate love that bad medicine it's bad, bad medicine, medicine. <laughs> yeah i've um when it hits an elk it just flips the switch and so um I, I basically had that set up and it was shouldered and I was like watching it and it, I just didn't feel peace about p taking the shot. It was like opening morning. It was like the first 30 minutes of shooting light. And I was like, do I really want to hammer one down right now? And um, the year before I had actually shot an elk on opening day too. And I was like a bull. And I just remember being like kind of wishing I, I spent more time hunting on the trip and not just like, taking that first opportunity so i was i was kind of being a little risky here because like this is a you know open like unit like public land like you might not get more than one opportunity but i passed it and then i remember kind of like you know those thoughts and the regrets and everything kind of going through your head when you pass a legal game and i was just like okay and sure enough saw nothing else the rest of the day like kind of all the opportunities left and then that night um went over all down on some private and try to get my dad set up where we it's all some um, bull elk on private land. And, um, my dad took a shot. Um, he, he hit it, but we didn't find it. So we we're going to go back in the morning to go, to go look for it. And, um, we go back the next morning and we, we're looking, we're looking and, um, we think we see it and ends up not being it. Um, we see, then we finally see another one and runs off. It didn't look injured at all. My dad ended up not filling his tag on this trip, but um, there was, you know, definitely like 
frustrating. But like, so after all that happened that next day, you know, day one, I passed on this bull. My dad had opportunity shot, didn't make a great shot. Um, just flesh wounds. The elk was absolutely fine. It was a nice six by six. And, um, and then after all this, I was, I was talking to the outfitter and he was like, well, Hey, with your 338, how comfortable are you shooting? I was like, well, I really don't want to shoot at game past like five, six, maybe 600 yards if I have to. But I was like, but I'll shoot a rock at a thousand yards. And he was like, oh, I'm curious. Like, okay. So we got, we went to some place. He found a rock at a thousand yards. It's about a, like a one MOA rock. Got down, we got on video and we're just kind of messing around around lunchtime when the elk weren't moving. And um, I shot this rock at a thousand yards. And, you know, I drilled it and everyone's like, okay, okay, like, he can shoot. You're like, you, you know, I know what I'm doing. And um, I had done a ton of practice, ton of reloading up to this point. Well, the game plan was for the next day was there's this drop-off point um, about, it's about 11,000 feet altitude and to drop down into this other bowl, this other basin where there, we had seen some elk glassing from a couple miles away. And so got all set up. We hiked in the next morning. It was about where we got where we got dropped off. It was about a three and a half mile hike in, and then it's like a five mile hike out. And so we get all the way set up, and uh, we get a hike in. And I found this perch, and I'm sitting on BLM land, and I'm like glassing all this private land below, and there's elk everywhere. I'm seeing huge six by sixes. I'm seeing like you know a, a couple bulls at well over three thirty. Um, cows everywhere and they're all starting to migrate their way towards me up the public land up the hill and I'm sitting there and I'm just like this is a dream out of like everything I've ever dreamed this is a dream come true hunt like I've dreamed about hunting this bull my whole life and here he comes like this huge six by six I we estimated probably about a 340 inch bull working his way we spotted him about two miles off slowly working his way to us and um I'm like, this is just, this is perfect. Nothing could go wrong. Like everything is going right. Like I was hitting that target at a thousand yards yesterday. This bull's coming right at me. I'm going to get a close shot. Um, he works his way to about 400 yards for me. Uh, I had the GTP RS legs. I had uh, set up, got comfortable. And I was like, you know, I would like let the guys around me know, hey, I'm going to fire. We're going to take this bull. This is like the bull that I want. And um, turn the safety off and the and there was zero reaction from the bull. And I was like, I've hit elk with this rifle before. That's I missed. That was a clean miss. Put another round in. <laughs> miss. And then I'm in my head, I'm starting to freak out. I'm like, how am I missing? Do I? Have yeah. All right. And so um, I'm sitting there. I, you know, I'm I'm basically in this this scrub oak on this hillside, and then this elk. You know, two shots missed, and he's still walking right towards me like nothing happened. And so I was like, okay, I don't understand why I missed. I was like, maybe I bumped my scope. Maybe I didn't adjust my turrets correctly. So I go through, rearrange, readjust my turrets, made sure it was like, okay, it was like, I believe it was like six MOA or whatever it was. And I, I did the adjustment, get back on. He had come to about 370 yards. I'm on the, you know, the, like the RS legs of my, my backpack as my rear pack. I am steady. I'm holding this crosshairs as still as I can hold a crosshair on this it like says elk shoulder i'm like okay i'll, I'll send this one and then fire completely miss again and by this time i had three misses and i'm just like <laughs> bewildered i'm just like I, like how like i like i literally hit a rock at a thousand yards the day before and i'm missing at 370 yards and i'm just like my mind is melting at this point 
Like this is like when you like hit quicksand, everything turns to mush. Um, so I rack another round in, just fire miss. Rack another round, fire miss. I'm down five five shots, and I look, and I only brought seven rounds with me because I was I was honestly I was so confident. I was like, I don't even need to bring seven rounds. I only need to bring two, maybe three. <laughs> but I brought seven just because like uh, things happen. And so I was down to my two final rounds here. And I'm just like, oh, man. So I just watched it, and it came up, came closer, came closer. 280 yards broadside. This, you know, 340-inch beautiful 6 by 6 bull staying there feeding. Line up crosshairs. Miss again. And I'm like, and then he's just standing there. I'm like, how? Like, he looks up. He takes another couple steps towards me. And I just was, I was like, I can't miss at this distance. So I put my final round in the chamber. Just like, I'm just like, this is going to hit him. Like, there's no way I'm missing a seventh time. <sighs> Complete miss. And I, like, I'm not even kidding. When this bull, like, he was so confident that I couldn't hit him. He walked to about 160, 160, 165 yards and stood there and ate grass in front of us. Like, I could have thrown a rock because it was, it was pretty steep. And like, I could have thrown a rock and hit him. And I'm sitting there out of ammo and I'm, you know, three and a half, four miles from the truck. Um, at actually, at this point, we were actually closer to five miles from the truck because um, we got dropped off and they moved the truck to a different spot. And so we we're five miles from the truck and I'm just sitting here, no ammo on this mountain. There's elk everywhere. And I'm just like, I, I'm having the biggest mental beat up of my life. I'm like, you had this dream of this bull. Like, this is literally the bull you've dreamed of. You've watched it for an hour, come from a mile and a half to you, maybe even further, and you can't make this shot. And then my buddy, like, literally looks at me. He's like, did you ever turn your turrets back to zero after shooting at a 1,000 yards yesterday? And I look at my scope, and I, I started going, and I was like, oh, yeah, of course I did. And then all of a sudden I realized I didn't go all the way back. I went to zero, not all the way back around to zero. And so then I sat there and I turned my turret all the way around, like one and a half revolutions to zero. And I just sat there and just like, I'm just like, are you kidding me? That's like the biggest rookie mistake on my dream bowl and this hunt that I've been like dreaming about for the last 20 years. Like how in the world did this happen? Uh, to say that so was like... You're... The, yeah 16 16 moa um no no, it was um it was more than that i believe i think it was i think it was a 20 it was was 20 moa revolution and then i then i was six over so i was 26 moa and so So i was 20 MOA. so you're shooting six foot high at 300 yards yeah yeah i was shooting way over his back (laughs) oh man i was hitting so far behind him that he i think that's why he kept walking towards me because i was hitting behind him (laughs) you scared him towards you (laughs) i I did i scared him towards me oh man that's brutal and and i'm just like sitting there and being like i just remember being like well that's my hunt like this was this was um (laughs) day three of like i think of a five-day hunt and i had the golden opportunity you know we hiked all the way in here we got all this Anyways, we had to do that brutal five mile hike out, and I just remember. And, and by that time, we got back. It was like I think at like eleven or noon, and so um, it had snow on the ground. But by eleven or noon, it got warm enough that all the trails turned into thick mush, right? So slick, probably four to six inches of mud everywhere, and you just like it's just that hike was just terrible. 
like no one was talking because it was just like one of those things that um it, it just the way it worked it was just it was it was like because i we had split up um and like the, my the one of the other guys he was like i don't know like a ridge over and he heard all the shooting and and he actually had an opportunity at the same the elk but he didn't feel comfortable at his shot. It was like 500 or 450 yards, and he didn't feel comfortable taking it, and he didn't take it. And uh, it was just, that walkout was just not fun. I remember that night just being like, I'm going to bed early. I, like, I don't want to so stay up and like, talk. You're yeah. on, you're on, you've, you've completely accessed the pity train at this point, right? Oh, yeah. Just yeah. Like self, self-pity, the sorrow is just the self over you. The self-loathing <laughs> is just like, it's just like, why do I even hunt? Like, I should just go home, sell my gear, pick up golf. You know, just like, oh, like I, I, I'm only laughing because I know the feeling so well, right? And, I mean, yeah, so and you just well. and you're just like, I like this is the like this is dumb. And then I'm also I'm like, great, I'm gonna have to tell my wife like I spent all this time, this money, this effort, like perfecting my skills, doing everything, and they make this kind of mistake and not bring any meat home. Uh, it was just like all these things going through my head. And then um, that night a storm came in. We got about another six inches of snow. So the next morning I got up. I kind of just a pity party. I was like, I'm not hiking way back there again. Like I wanted, I'm just going to go hike in like two miles and just glass to this like cliff and not like go into the bowl. I was basically going to the top of glass. And we glassed in the morning and I think it was, I don't know, five, six degrees windy just like that brutal cold that just goes through everything where you can't get your toes warm yeah and i, I was I, I we left early like i think we were out to like 9 10 a.m and after 10 a.m we're just like we're done we're in that night we just kind of drove around glass glass the mountains glass the hills and it was just like, and then I was, you know, talking to my buddy. I was like, well, like, we know where the bulls are at. They're like, it's where we, sh like, where I shot and missed. Like, that's my best opportunity for a bull. So I'm going to go back there on the last day of the season. And um, I don't just, in my mind, my season was already over. Like, I was just, but I was like, I'm still going to hunt. Like, I'm not going to give up. Like, I'm still going to grind it out. But I had, like, I already in my mind was, like, checked out. I was just like, man, already thinking of everything. And, um, that night fell, and then that night I fell asleep. The, the fourth day of the hunt fell asleep. And, um, I remember waking up at three 30 in the morning. I had, I had this dream and, and, and in my dream, I right, remember now. this, um, the year before when I shot my bull on yeah, it, is, it was, sorry, how um, I was I, like, I, I literally said, man, that was almost right, like keep too going. easy. <laughs> yeah, so there was um there's that that's there's the cold snow on the ground, freezing cold morning, like five degrees out, can't get warm, there's a not anything moving. I mean we saw probably like a hundred head of elk on private in the valley and they weren't moving. And so we were just kind of sitting there watching this huge herd of elk. They're obviously bulls in it and this that, but they weren't gonna go anywhere. They're just happy as can be sitting on that private land with the snow everywhere. We watched them for a couple hours and we called it, we call it early morning. And, um, and we're just like, we want to go get warm. We want to go get like some soup, just get comfortable. Cause we're all miserable. It just, it was, and, and, and it's all, it's still the self-loathing is there. Right. And then that night we kind of, we didn't want to, we didn't hunt hard. 
we ended up kind of just taking our trucks on down a dirt road and glassing up some other areas and didn't see anything found some tracks but it was just kind of like a, a kind of more of like a wasted night you know it was just kind of more of a recuperation night um after just the, the couple days before and um so i go to bed i go to bed the you know, I forget. It was like, I think it's a four day hunt or a five day hunt. And I think maybe it was a five day hunt. And it was like the night before. Yeah, it was a five day hunt. So four days of hunting, go to bed. It was like, tomorrow's the last day. I'm going to hike back into the exact same spot. I shot and missed my bull. I know there's a bunch of bulls up there. And if I can get back there, you know, I can make it happen. And, but I was just like, we'll see, you know, I'm not very confident at this point. Um, and fall asleep, fall asleep early. And all of a sudden I had this dream in the middle of the night. Like I had this dream where I actually remembered that the year before I shot my bull on opening day. And I was actually kind of like, yo, it's, it's incredible. Like you have a opportunity on a bull opening day, you take it. But I also was like, I remember actually having this feeling and this thought being like, Lord, if I get an opportunity on a bull again, I kind of want to struggle first. I kind of want to, I want to have a close miss. I want it to suck, and then I want to get one the very last day. I want to ha- I want to be a hero at the last moment, and then I then I immediately woke up at three thirty in the morning with this like overcoming feeling. I was like, "This is exactly what I prayed for, like this day, like that the 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 suck from the couple days before was exactly what I wanted for this last day to be super sweet." And so I woke up at three thirty. I got dressed. I was ready to go. Everyone else was kind of slow getting up. I'm like, guys, we're killing, we're killing bulls today. We're getting bulls on the ground. This is the day. And I remember, um, we, we parked like five, it was like five miles from like this, this gate that was close to like this public land road. And so we parked at the gate, we hike in, you know, it's a five mile hike in and we started early and we're moving and about, about three, about two and a half, three miles in, I come across this uh, cougar, a fresh cougar track. And I'm like, man, this is going to be, this is the day. And I remember seeing this fresh cougar track and then looking up and seeing a nice six by six bull standing on the other side of this basin, just cresting the top as like the, just the first rays of sunlight were coming down. And I'm just like, man, this is the day. And so I, I was just motoring. I probably hiked my fastest that day. I just felt re-energized, you know, a hike through, hike up this steep incline, um, and it, it's just like, there's a, there was a trail through some of it. And then you get to like this, you know, these, it's really just a hell hole of Oak on these hillsides. It's just thick. Everything gets caught up, gets stuck and we're working our way through. And all of a sudden, as I get to the, this top to like about two or 300 yards above where I was the day before I missed, um, I can start hearing elk everywhere. There's bugles going on. There's cow mews. And they're surrounded me. Like I was, I was probably surrounded by three, 400 head of elk in this mountain, but I can't see a single one because of how thick it is. And my dad was actually down in the valley and he was glassing and he could see me. And he was like, dude, there's elk everywhere. You're going to get one. And I, I just like knew, I was like, this is, this is my day, right? I can hear the muse. I can hear this and I'm trying to find places to get set up. And then you really, because it's so thick, you need a really steep incline so that you can like shoot, like you're trying to find like a plateau, but really something really steep above that. So that way you can get the good shot angles. 
or moving or moving around, running around, trying to find something, hearing bugles, moving this and that. Um, and um, so I, I get, I move over. And so actually I should, uh, I should note that this was uh, the first rifle in Colorado. And so this is like just after the ruts, but the bulls still act a little ruddy. You know, they're still following cows. They're, they're very um, on the tail end of the rut, but they, there's still bulls that are, are running. And so I'm still kind of trying to find cows, seeing if there's a bull around there. And I go up and um, all of a sudden I hear them, I hear the muse coming and I'm like, oh, they're coming, they're coming in close, like 300 yards beneath me. So I get, you know, the, you know, the RS legs set up, get my, um, my backpack underneath set up over this opening down below that was 300 yards. And then it was like the first cow starts coming and all of a sudden the, all the cows start feeding in 300 yards beneath me. And, um, I'm sitting there and there, there's about 20 or 30 cow, like just right there. And it's just like, man, this is amazing. They're mewing, you know, sub 300 yards. I can see them all. This is like absolutely amazing experience. And then I'm just waiting. I was like, where's the bull? He's got to be in here somewhere. And then I see some antlers, you know, going through the, the scrub, like this oak. And like the scrub oak is probably nine feet tall in, in a lot of these places. So it's not like they could, like the elk can disappear in it. But um, I see the antlers and he steps out and he steps out to an opening. And I put my crosshairs on him, you know, I have a round chambered and I'm just sitting there and I um, a cow is standing right behind him. So I can't take the shot. And so here's a 300 yard shot. Like I, I know my, my turret is set. It's my opportunity. <laughs> it's not a huge bull, but it's like, it was, it, you know, it's a, it's a nice, like it was, I saw the five on the one side. So it's a nice five point bull on one side and I'm, I'm sitting there and I have my crosshairs on them and I'm just like, cow, I need you to move cow. And I'm like watching this bull and I'm like, cow, I need you to move. And by this point, the wind swirled. So all the cows started getting antsy, right? And so all the cows start moving off and I'm just sitting here crosshairs on this bull. And I'm just like, I need that cow to move. And I'm just sitting there waiting. I'm just like, if that cow doesn't move, my season's over. And then the cow takes two steps and the bull immediately starts to turn. And, um, and as that bull is turning, I was like, it's a clear shot behind him. There's nothing behind him. Safety off, slowly squeeze that trigger. Bam. You hear that smack. You know, that, that clear, like that, that clap that, you know, it was like, it was the, it was the hit, but like in my head, I'm still like, I didn't hit a cow. Right. You know, cause like, you know, it's like the way this trip has gone. I, I didn't hit a cow. Right. And I'm just like, I, 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 the, I don't see antlers. Like I had like a muzzle flash, the clap, and then there was no antlers and cows just flurried off. You know, I never saw anything with antlers go. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's down. I'm pretty sure I dropped him. And, um, but you know, I'm going to give it a couple seconds, have my rifle chamber another round looking down there, making sure nothing's happening. And after I gave it like a minute, all the cows are gone. There is no movement. And I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, sorry, I was like, I'm going to head down there. So I started heading down there, working through all this thick stuff, excited, moving through. And then I get to where I thought he was and there's absolutely nothing there. And I'm just like, oh man, what did I do? You know, it's like, uh, I was like, he was right here. Like, this is exactly where I thought he was. And then um, I was like, well, you know, I'll just start small circles and start circling, getting bigger. And um, it, it didn't take long. It took maybe about 10 steps. 
and there he was. He was just stone cold dead. Fell into like this, fell into the scrub oaks and got caught up. And um, I just sat there. I just remember just like this, this huge relief of like, like the hunt. Like it, I mean, it's like it's still a good hunt even when you're not successful. But there's always a, kind of a, like a sense of relief when you are successful because I, I, you maybe I put so much pressure on myself. But also just like the way the whole hunt went. And, um, you know, I just remember sitting there looking at him and just being so grateful for this amazing animal, you know. And um, took a couple photos, start butchering it up. And um, at this point, um, I called the, the, the guide that was with my dad. We radioed in and we're like, hey, can you bring horses out? Cause like, I, I really like, I was like, this is like, right by this point, it's 11 AM on the, the last day of the season. My, my legs are toast, you know? And, but I was like, you know, if we have to hike out, we'll hike it out. But we were fortunate enough to get mules back there. And so he got, he brought in some mules and, um, and so, you know, butchered them up in game bags, sat, laid down, took a little nap, said a couple prayers, just thanking Jesus. So I was like, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for showing up. Like, this is uh, like uh, overwhelming emotions. This is it kind of, it's funny. It's exactly what I prayed for, even though I didn't like, I also said, I'm never going to pray that prayer again. <laughs> 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 and, um, we, yeah, we got there, we got the mules, we loaded up the mules and I got to, to ride out like that five mile, um, would have been a hike, but I got to ride out five miles on a horse with the, like with the, um, all the elk packed up. I remember taking some videos, just like going up in this, this crazy terrain with these, these incredible horses, you know, like those, the guys, this horsemen who train the mules and the horses that go on this terrain, like, like they're incredible what they can do. I've seen them go up like, you know, 50, 60 degree ledges that are slippery that I can't, I can barely walk up and they're going up with loads and you're just like, man, that's impressive. Um, but well, I just remember being on that horseback looking over like this valley beneath us where like all the private land where all these things happened and just like this overwhelming gratitude and just like, God, you like your ways are better than mine. I couldn't have wrote a story this good with the emotional ups and downs. And it's like, you know, between passing on elk and then my dad getting one, then losing that one and then hitting a rock at a thousand yards to, to missing a layup shot of the biggest bull I've ever seen in my life to, you know, almost giving up to then hiking all the way in and getting one on the last day in the last few hours. And, um, it was it, they were by far my favorite trip and I've experienced a lot of great things. You know, I've been charged by bears. I've shot big, way bigger bulls than that bull. It's actually my smallest bull, but, um, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a, it's always going to be a special bull for me. So yeah, that's uh, my most memorable hunt right there. And then being able to also get back and share that with my dad too is pretty special. But yeah, man, your uh, GTP RS legs, they saved the day being able, and that thick oak brush, like they, they really helped me get <laughs> those crosshairs lined up. That's awesome, man. Sorry. I cut out there again in the end right there. Um, yeah, dude, there's like many things to go with that. Like one, every hunt, like you can't quit, right? Like it's, like, yeah. 
the same, like, you might not see an elk for six days. That doesn't mean the seventh day you're not going to see one. And that's one of the hardest things that, with a hunting partner, right? That's why they come with you is, like, finding someone that on the seventh day has the same energy as the first day, right? Everyone the first day is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But by the time you go four or five days and have these, like, you know, days of rain and snow and fog and misses and just all the stuff that you don't see in the YouTube videos that happen, right? Like, it's just... Yeah. All the real hunting issues that happen on in the field, right? We all have had these problems where, you know, whatever, we didn't turn a turret or we did something stupid, you know, let an arrow go too soon or pull the trigger too soon, you know, or rush a shot. And yeah. It's just... You know, we could have waited and we took a shot, you know, we should have taken. But when you actually get it done, man, there's no better feeling. And another oh, another yeah. thing to note, elk only die in hell holes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have a way of finding a way of dying in the worst possible spots. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I know the bull I shot last year. I was on the top of a, like, top of, like, a ridge. Like, basically, he was, like, 10 feet below the top of a ridge. I actually put a couple bull. I put a couple bullets into him, and he just refused to die, and then dove off, and then it proceeded to go about a half mile down to this hell hole, where like I, I, I broke a, a trekking pole climbing out of that because <laughs> it was just too steep, and you're just like, really? Yeah, they. Uh, I feel like it's like their last little payback. Like, you know what? You're gonna shoot me. I'm gonna roll down in this hole and like get stuck on this tree with my antlers and get under the scrub oak, where you can't get me out because I weigh. 300 pounds. It's uh, elk are awesome, man. I have a love hate relationship with them. Like, a love hate relationship with them. Like, I love to hunt them. I hate to hunt them. I love to pack them when it's all over. I hate to pack them oh, when I'm yeah. doing it. It's just, uh, they are cool. So, uh, good stories, dude. What do you got planned for this season? You got, you got some hunts coming up? Yep, yep. I got a uh, local, you know, D16. Um, I'll be he- heading to uh, Utah for a uh, deer hunt. With somebody that you know very well. Yep, taking my seventeen-year-old. Uh, yep, yep. So we'll be out there chasing, chasing some big muleys, and I, I, I think we're gonna, we're gonna come across some a good buck out there. I know at least one, if not two. Yeah, hopefully. And then, um, and then I'll be uh, going back to Colorado for uh, elk again. Um, I, I went over Thanksgiving last year because I, I had a, done a lot of hunting in the the first week of October. And I liked the the like the later season elk. Um, I've done a lot of like late season cow elk hunts, and I just it's I like that style. Um, and then I think it's I hopefully will be able to get my dad on one um, if I can get some private land access. I, I'm really hoping to, to get my dad a bull. That'd be it's awesome. A, yeah, it's like a dream of mine to help him get his first bull. You know. Yeah, that'd be awesome to get him on an elk and get him one. He's been on a few hunts now. I know that, so it'd be great to get him a bull. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Exactly. Well, dude, uh, and go ahead. I was gonna say, yeah, and I got, I got my, uh, my first bear this spring. Oh yeah, you got, got your first bear. Spring. Yeah, I got my first bear on this spring. That was, that was one of those things that it was like where you're, you're spending a couple days not seeing anything, not seeing anything, and you're just like glassing across a canyon, and someone's like bear, and you're like, wait, what? And then there's, a, you know, there's this beautiful cinnamon bear, three hundred yards across canyon, and you just don't think you drop down you get behind it get the crosshairs on it you look and then just pull you know slowly squeeze that trigger and that bear just instantly died those i really like those hammer bullets i know not everyone's a big fan of copper but those hammer bullets man they've 
they've done a number on some of these animals I've taken. Yeah, I, uh, I'm shooting them now and a few of my guns. I'm actually going to be shooting my 280 Ackley this year for elk as well. I'm shooting those 140s in my 280 Ackley. Um, yeah. I shoot them in my 260. I don't know. I mean, they're very accurate. They load really well. They're probably the easiest one I've ever loaded for my guns. I still don't know that I'm convinced that they kill better than, like, my Barnes bullets. Only because I've killed a lot of stuff from Barnes, and Barnes just works, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I mean, they, they are. They do load, man. I put three of those into a grapefruit at 1,000 yards with my 260, and I put the rifle away after I was done. It was unbelievable. I got pictures. Yeah. I got my someone was there watching, too, so it wasn't just me. So it's a, yeah. They're incredible bullets, man. So, yeah, dude, uh... I'm excited. I'm excited for little Drew to go over there with you. He'll be shooting a 308 with 168 grain TTSXs in it. So uh, you can drop the hammer. Yeah. Try and uh, drop the hammer. Yeah. Pack some uh, nice. Those are bigger mule deer too. Yeah, and he's a little bit more, a little bit more weight. He's a power lifter though, so you know he's all muscle. He's, I know. The kid's a freaking thoroughbred, so he'll be. Uh, just make him carry everything. He's like, hey, I'll carry your uh, your binoculars for you and put the deer on his back and. He's got young, <laughs> you got young knees, dude. He'll pack it out for you. Oh man, I, that's why I started that gym in um, twenty twenty two. Just to get in shape. I could, yeah, starting to get in shape. Like I was like, I need to start squatting. I need to start doing lunges. So I, I got that gym membership, and um, it's amazing what like how much strength you can add in a year. Yeah, and um, I'm still convinced that there's no amount of training you could do for an elk though. Like there's no amount of training that equates to. That dead weight on your back coming out of a canyon over rocks and deadfall and tripping and just it's just there's a your body's never the same when you're done with an elk. No. But uh, no, I do. I, I'm in the, the gym too. The slipping, the tripping, the the heavy weight. No. I mean, it's just. Uh, and we have good backs, right? I, mean, I run a big XO. Yeah. It's just I have a good back. It's just I don't care. Once you put over 100 pounds on your back, it's just uh, it's fun stuff too. But that's what we do it for. I'm stoked you got that bull, man. That's a good story. I got to hear the whole story like that before, so it's good to hear it. And uh, hopefully, you and Drew go and just shoot a freaking toad of a buck or two over there in Utah. We'll get you back on. Both of you guys on here to tell me the story about that yeah, one. Dude. And uh, I love to come home with a couple one sixties. <laughs> that'd be great. That'd be great for him. And yeah, I already told you that. You know, don't make him be too picky. You know, you need to make sure you get a good buck. But uh, oh man, you're glad to shoot a big one. to be out there. Yeah, he's a good hunting partner. He's gonna do good. They're glassing now. They're doing well. So he's fully capable. He'll be eight. He'll be seventeen here in a couple of weeks. So he's, he's capable of being over there with you and helping you. So cool, dude. Well, I appreciate awesome. you coming on. Let's do it again. Definitely, Drew. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Right. And uh, for everyone else, don't give up. Hunt to the last minute. Oh, uh, you know where can we find you too, dude? Do you want to follow you anywhere? Find you anywhere? Or no, you're secret. Uh, I'm pretty secret. I don't post uh, anything. All right, don't don't follow Jake. But I am gonna post a video of him packing the elk out on the horses with this, to, so you'll see that. So, all right. Okay, yeah. You, you want the video or the photo? I, I want a photo, probably video or photo. I don't care. Give me some stuff. Video would be good. All right, man. All right, thanks, guys. Good, thanks for listening. Talk to you later. All right. Talk Bye. to you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Tricer Podcast. Do us a favor and like and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook at Tricer USA. And go and check out all of our innovative gear at www.tricerusa.com. Until next time, shoot straight, have fun, and always put God first.